the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Folks, I am your host, Colby Powell. Glad everyone is with us on this beautiful Thursday morning in the state of Oklahoma. Make sure you head over to Twitter. Follow me at Colby J. Powell and at Locked on Pokes and subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you may be listening. Tell a friend, retweet it on Twitter. Uh, let everyone know what we're doing here at Locked on Pokes, covering everything Oklahoma State every day. Glad to be with you all once again. If you listened yesterday, we did mid-season grades. It's the halfway point of the season. Oklahoma State finds themselves at 4-2. and two. It's a bye week. I figured what better time than now with this week off, no game on Saturday, to do some mid-season grades. So yesterday, kind of went through all the players. Spencer Sanders got a C. Uh, you know, would have been a lot higher than that if not for the five-turnover game against Texas Tech on Saturday. Chuba Hubbard, obviously a plus. Tyler Wallace got an A. Uh, I'm trying to remember... Who else? Uh, defensive side of the ball, I, I just rated position groups. Um, so, you know, defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties. Make sure you go back and listen to that episode yesterday. I go much more in detail uh, about uh, the skill players offensively, especially Spencer, Chuba, Tylen Wallace, those guys, uh, and then the defensive position groups as well. And then, as promised, we're doing coaches today taking a look at the Oklahoma State coaches giving them midseason grades uh, as we're at the halfway mark sitting at four and two we will save Mike Gundy for last I want to start with Charlie Dickey we'll start there and then we'll do Sean Gleason Jim Knowles and Mike Gundy Charlie Dickey comes over from Kansas State where he was at for a decade to take over Oklahoma State's O-line and Anyone who's followed Oklahoma State football knows that Oklahoma State's O-line has been a serious liability for the better part of probably five seasons. Uh, I mean, I would say since Mason Rudolph took over, certainly, which was, uh, you know, he played three and change. He played three games his true freshman year and then three full seasons as a starter, the one corn dog year, and now it's Spencer Sanders' turn. But the offensive line was a huge liability while Mason Rudolph was here. He never really played uh, behind a, a solid offensive line even. And Charlie Dickey now comes in, takes over, and I think we have seen real improvement from this offensive line. I know things didn't look great from a pass-blocking standpoint on Saturday in Lubbock, and I would agree with that. It, it didn't look great. But this offensive line is, is down men with injuries. They're doing the best they can. They're still blocking for the leading rusher in the country, who, by the way, if there's time at the end of the day, I want to talk about a story in The Athletic about Chuba Hubbard and essentially what a hometown hero he is and, and the fact that kids in Canada – want to grow up to be Chuba Hubbard uh, at this point. But if we have time, we'll get to that at the end. Back to Charlie Dickey and the Oklahoma State offensive line. They're blocking for the leading rusher in the country. Spencer Sanders uh, has been running the ball as well. The pass game is where I would say the offensive line has been at its weakest. Spencer Sanders has been under a lot of pressure, specifically at Texas Tech on Saturday. But considering what this offensive line has been, I'm going to have to give Charlie Dickey a B plus. I think a B-plus is more than fair. Uh, you know, I, I think that considering 
what we saw on Saturday with the amount of constant pressure Spencer Sanders was under. Hard to give him an A. Uh, you know, there have been times this year where you would like Spencer Sanders to have more time in the pocket. Now, it, it's also hard to differentiate sometimes whether that is a, a true collapse of the pocket or a redshirt freshman who has happy feet and wants to scamper, 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 and, uh, you know, can't get comfortable and get set in the pocket. But I think a B-plus is more than fair. When, when comparing this offensive line to offensive lines of the past, th- this is certainly, it seems like, the best offensive line Oklahoma State's had in about five years. Uh, you know, maybe Justice Hill, what would that have been, two years ago when he had his big season? Maybe that one was comparable Rudolph's senior year, it seemed like they did a little bit better. Uh, and then last year, it seemed like they were a disaster again. Uh, remember, we're not that far removed from Mike Gundy telling everyone in the media, very seriously, serious as could be, all we're looking for out of the running game is 100 yards. We want four yards a carry. We want to rush for 100 yards in a game. Well, now you've got a running back averaging 182 rushing yards as one guy for a game. So really impressive what uh, the running game for Oklahoma State has been able to do this year. And a lot of that, I think, is attributed to Charlie Dickey. And it's only going to get better for the Oklahoma State offensive line for the running game. Uh, You know, the longer Charlie Dickey is around, the more time that he'll have to kind of get his hooks into these guys, get his guys in here. Recruiting, we all know, is such a big aspect at any position, but at offensive line, it seems like Oklahoma State has started to build more depth in recruiting. So uh, B-plus for Charlie Dickey, who I think has done a good job early in his Oklahoma State tenure. I'm Colby Powell. This is Locked on Pokes. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Again, go see our, our friends at Vivid Seats. Use the Vivid Seats app. I am Colby Powell. This is Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side. We'll talk coordinators, Sean Gleason, Jim Knowles, handing out mid-season grades here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back to Locked On Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad everyone is with us on this beautiful Oklahoma Thursday as we are handing out midseason grades for the Pokes. Uh, you all have a midseason assignment. Go to Twitter right now. I know. Feels like I'm a broken record. Go to Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Follow me on Twitter. Like, retweet whenever I send out the links, uh, and subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you may be listening. It helps a ton. So thank you in advance for that. Now let's get back to it, handing out midseason grades for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Just talked about Charlie Dickey and the job that he's doing uh, in his early career at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State for a decade, now running the O-line for the Cowboys. Let's stay on that side of the ball and talk Sean Gleason, because we're talking new guys before we get to Jim Knowles and Mike Gundy. So Sean Gleason, he comes in and, you know, he's known as a creative play caller. That's that's what I'm expecting from Sean Gleason whenever he comes in. And game one, right out of the break, uh, you know, right out of the, the summer break, comes in against Oregon State, and it looks phenomenal. 
phenomenal against Oregon State. There were so many levels to what Oklahoma State was doing against Oregon State in the passing game. You know, the deep outs, uh, Landon Wolf got involved. Uh, Braden Johnson got involved with a deep ball. Tylen Wallace was phenomenal. It, it was the best the Oklahoma State passing game has looked all year, and it was right out of the gate, game one. So at that point, I know I was thinking, and I think a lot of people were probably thinking, hey, we went and got this guy from Princeton. This guy from Princeton might be kind of smart. And I got to tell you, ever since that Oregon State game, I've seen nothing but regression from the Oklahoma State passing game. I've seen a, a complete lack of creativity, a complete lack of innovation, a, a predictability from this offense. And Sean Gleason's the OC. Now, how much freedom is Mike Gundy giving him in red zone and goal-to-go situations? That's not a question that I can answer for you. Is Mike Gundy uh, freely allowing him to call the fourth and one plays at Texas Tech? I can't answer that question for you. But I know that I was watching that game in Lubbock on Saturday, and they lined up in the I formation on fourth and a long yard. And I looked at my wife and I said, they're going to turn around and hand this to Chuba, and he's going to get stuffed. Look how many guys are in the box. And what did they do? They turned around, they handed the ball to Chuba Hubbard, he got obliterated, and they turned it over on downs. The complete lack of creativity was staggering. Against Texas, you get down inside the five, what do you do? No creativity whatsoever. You let Texas put 10 guys in the box, you turn around, hand it off to Chuba Hubbard, you don't have as many guys to block as they're bringing on a run blitz, and he gets stuffed. Chuba Hubbard is one of the best running backs in the country. He's not Superman. He, he can't run through a wall when there's 10 guys in the box. So the, the short yardage and goal-to-go play calling has left a ton to be desired. And then the general uh, lack of effectiveness of the passing game, the inability to spread the ball around and, uh, and, and get it to multiple receivers. Dylan Stoner is the second leading receiver on this, this team. And uh, I'm trying to remember from yesterday. I don't have it in front of me. I believe he has 24 catches for 224 yards this year through six games, which quite frankly just isn't enough for your second leading receiver, a guy who has the potential to be a really good player, a guy who we've seen be a really good player at Oklahoma State. So I, I don't know. Maybe that Oregon State game set too high of expectations for Spencer Sanders, for Sean Gleason, for all of them. But I, I know I have certainly been underwhelmed by the passing game. Look, Chuba Hubbard's a monster. Keep feeding that beast. Let him run wild. But when you're down 20 to nothing, it becomes a little tricky. And we saw Oklahoma State get down 20 to nothing to Texas Tech. And you know what happened? They, they looked lost trying to come back because the passing game wasn't there to make it happen. Spencer Sanders is going to make some mistakes. But if you make it harder for the defense to pinpoint exactly what you're doing before the snap, maybe you can help your young quarterback out a little bit. So as far as the grade for Sean Gleason, oh, I'm going to go C-. minus. C- minus for Sean Gleason. The offense has been fine. It's been fine, but it hasn't been great. 26 points against Kansas State, bunch of field goals, bunch of field goals against Texas, bunch of field goals against Kansas State, an inability to play from behind against Texas Tech because of the way your offense is structured. It, it just doesn't look right 
right now. Everything looks off sync. And I know this is coming off the Texas Tech game, which is the one that's fresh in our minds. So it probably seems worse than it is. You know what everybody says. It's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. But right now, it, it seems like this passing game is really struggling and needs to find its way. So a C- minus for Sean Gleason. I'm Colby Powell, your host. This is Locked on Pokes, handing out midseason grades here to the Oklahoma State Cowboy coaching staff. Did the players yesterday, handing out midseason grades for the coaching staff. Today, if we have time, which we may not, we're going to talk a little bit of Chuba Hubbard at the end of the show because he's turned into quite the celebrity in Canada. Uh, We also have some transfer portal news that we will definitely get to. Even if we don't have time to talk about Chuba before the end of this podcast, we will give you some transfer news uh, at the Oklahoma State running back position. Okay, moving on now to the other side of the ball. Not a new face. Guy who was around a year ago. Jim Knowles, we all know, came over from Duke prior to last season. The defense last year, mm, what would be a good word to describe the defense last year? Abysmal? I think abysmal would be a a good word, a fair word. Oklahoma State comes in, loses its top six players on that defensive front. Has to replace a lot of guys. They move Malcolm Rodriguez down from safety to linebacker. Amen. Ogbong Bamiga is a guy who's jumped in there. Trey Sterling has filled in at safety nicely, and he's done a good job, which has allowed Mike Gundy and Jim Knowles to leave Malcolm Rodriguez at linebacker, which has been huge for this defense. And I actually think the defense has been somewhat improved this year. I didn't think they got off to a very good start against Oregon State. Oregon State seemingly was was able to move the ball pretty well, put up 36 points in that game. But against Tulsa, the halftime adjustments were phenomenal. They knew Tulsa couldn't beat them through the air. They loaded the box, stopped the run, did a good job there. Against Texas, uh, I thought that they were good, not great. You know, they didn't let Texas run completely wild. They didn't shut them down either. Uh, I thought the defense against Texas, again, good, not great. And then against Kansas State, that was one of the best defensive performances we've seen from an Oklahoma State team in years. And you, you can absolutely say that Kansas State is not a great team, that Kansas State does not have a two-dimensional offense that can beat you through the air as well as on the ground. So they were loading the box, stopping the run. That's all true. It's also true that Kansas State has had a similar offense in years past, and that offense has run wild on the pokes. So I'm not going to discredit what Oklahoma State did against Kansas State because that was a phenomenal defensive performance. Now, my concern lies not with stopping uh, a running attack because Oklahoma State's been pretty good against the run this year. That's for, for a defense that lost a lot of guys up front, I think they've been pretty good against the run. Against the pass this last week at Texas Tech, and what they gave up to Jet Duffy was pretty uninspiring uh, whenever you look at a backup quarterback throwing for north of 400 yards. He had five total touchdowns most of his career, so it was not a good day for the Oklahoma State defense. Now, I do want to preface that by saying Oklahoma State was put in a lot of bad positions defensively. Oklahoma State uh, was backed up. You know, Spencer Sanders turned the ball over five times, those three interceptions, two fumbles. Uh, Oklahoma State turned it over on downs. So it's not like Oklahoma State's defense was being put in good positions. That being said, it was more of the same of what we've seen in the past in terms of Oklahoma State's defense struggling to defend an offense that spread them out and could throw the football. Now, look, no one defends those offenses really well, but Texas Tech – Hadn't looked very good this year. Arizona held them to 14. 
Oklahoma held them to 16. Now, I understand at that point, for whatever reason, um, Matt Wells was refusing to just commit to Jet Duffy as his quarterback. He was playing around with the Tynes kid from Rice, which I still can't make sense of. That was just that, – that was nonsensical. But, uh, yeah, he settled on Jet Duffy, and Oklahoma State got torched on Saturday, particularly in the second half. I thought in the first half they actually did a pretty good job of holding to some field goals. It was 20 to nothing at halftime in a game that very easily could have been 28 to nothing because Oklahoma State was able to get a couple of stops, hold Tech to some field goals. So um, I think Jim Knowles and his defense have been better this year, still struggling to get pressure on the quarterback, and we'll see what they look like against some of the better passing offenses that they have to face the rest of the year. But I'm going to give uh, Jim Knowles a solid B minus. You know, Sean Gleason got a C minus. I think the defense has been a little bit better than that. I will give them a B minus. It's brought down by the performance against Tech, but it had been brought up by the performance against Kansas State. So we'll settle in at B minus for Jim Knowles. I'm Colby Powell here on Locked On Pokes, handing out midseason grades for the Oklahoma State coaching staff. Knocked out the players and the position groups yesterday. Coaches today, as it is the halfway point of the college football season and a bye week. So what better time to talk about how we got to this point, how we got to 4-2 and two in the season, and how everyone has performed to this point. After the break, giving out a grade to the head ball coach, Mike Gundy, and we're also talking transfer portal news in the Oklahoma State backfield. If we have time, uh, we'll talk Chuba Hubbard and his Canada celebrity. If not, we'll save that for tomorrow. It's not time sensitive, so we can get to that at any time. Appreciate everyone being with us. Head over to Twitter, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. I know, I keep repeating myself, and I'm going to keep repeating myself, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. Follow both of those accounts, like, retweet these podcasts so we can get this out to more people, more Oklahoma State fans as throughout the rest of football season, throughout basketball season, into the spring sports as well. We are covering everything Oklahoma State for you right here on Locked on Pokes. All right. Taking a break, coming back on the other side, handing out a grade to Mike Gundy, talking transfer portal news for Oklahoma State. All that coming up next right here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back on your host, Colby Powell, wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes, handing out midseason grades to the Oklahoma State coaching staff. It's time now to hand a grade out to Mike Gundy. And this really is the toughest one because you look at position groups, you look at the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and it's, you know, you, you can pinpoint things that have happened on the O-line, the running game, the lack of pass blocking. You, you can pinpoint some of the play calling offensively, uh, you know, the performances defensively, great against, uh, against Kansas State, not so much against Tech. But when you look at the head coach, you, you really have to figure out what all is he responsible for, what all is out of his control, uh, is he motivating his team properly, which I think is, is one of the hardest things to ever know. And, and we all speculate. It, it's the nature of the beast. You speculate as to whether the head coach is properly motivating his team, and that's only natural when in, in Oklahoma State's last 10 games against unranked FBS opponents, the Cowboys are 4-6 and six 
in those 10 games. So I don't think it's unreasonable. Uh, I don't think it makes someone not loyal and true to question whether Oklahoma State is properly motivated going into those games, whether they're going into those games uh, thinking that just because of that orange logo on the side of the helmet, they're going to be able to roll through Texas Tech, roll through TCU and Grayson Muelstein like we saw at the end of last season. Um, so, so when evaluating Mike Gundy, I take all that into account and I, I don't know how I can give Mike Gundy better than a C to this point in the season. I, I, I'm going to give Mike Gundy a C. Uh, you know, I, I think that he did have something to do with the play calling against Texas. Uh, I, I don't think that he just let Sean Gleason completely have control over what they were calling down inside the 10-yard line. And, and let's be real honest with ourselves, Oklahoma State fans. The play calling inside the 10-yard line is what cost Oklahoma State the game against Texas. Mike Gundy came out after the game against Texas and, and was asked about maybe running a QB sneak, something of that nature, instead of just turning it off or turning around, handing it to Chuba and letting him get stuffed. And he said, well, it worked against Tulsa. We've just got to execute better. I, I got news for you. What works against Tulsa isn't going to work against Texas. And there was a lot of frustration from Oklahoma State fans after that game because that was a game against a good opponent uh, that Oklahoma State, I mean, it was there for the taking, even more so than the Texas Tech game. The Texas game was there for the taking, and Oklahoma State refused to take it because they were way too vanilla and way too predictable offensively, and I do think that Mike Gundy had a hand in that. And then you look at the loss against Texas Tech. I mean, Oklahoma State goes into that game a 10.5-point favorite. Just about everyone, myself included, was picking Oklahoma State to just roll over Texas Tech. This is not a good Texas Tech team. This is a Texas Tech team that lost to Arizona, who's not a good Pac-12 team, 28-14. to Just the previous week, they'd lost, I think it was 51-16 to Oklahoma, and, and they looked completely out of sorts. And then Oklahoma State gets off the bus, walks onto the field in Lubbock, and gets punched in the mouth and is down three touchdowns. But before you can even blink and look up, and you just you just look at yourself and you say, not again. Tell me we're not doing this again where, where this team is going to go out, play what is clearly an inferior opponent, and just get run off the field. We saw it three times last year against teams who were not on Oklahoma State's level in Texas Tech, Kansas State, and TCU. Oklahoma State can go out. They can nearly beat Oklahoma and Norman. They can beat top 10 Texas and West Virginia teams, but they can't beat those teams. Now this year, Oklahoma State has a chance to beat Texas. They're right there, but they can't even stay on the same field. They can't even compete with Texas Tech. That is concerning. So it's a C for Mike Gundy. There have been some good things. They've committed to the run. They've gotten Chuba Hubbard going. The defense has been improved. Uh, you know, the, the special teams, while the kick return game hasn't been big and elusive, there, there haven't been huge mistakes like we've seen in special teams over the past few years. So, look, I don't think it's been a complete disaster of a first half of the season, but I think for me, four and two is a, a little bit disappointing. I think they're only underachieving. 
by the one game. I think 5-1 and one is about where they should be right now. But that one game was a big loss to a Texas Tech team that Oklahoma State should have been able to beat. So I'll give Mike Gundy a C. That wraps up our midseason grades. Uh, let me know if you have anything you agree with, disagree with, from the coaches, the players. Go back, listen to yesterday's Wednesday's podcast on October 9th. Uh, it's not time-sensitive, just handing out midseason grades. Today's and yesterday's uh, podcast can both be listened to for the next couple weeks prior to the Baylor game. So uh, retweet those, like those on Twitter, subscribe, rate this podcast, let everyone know what we're doing here. Uh, I want to give some quick transfer portal news before I get out of here today. Redshirt freshman running back Jamil Jeter has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Mike Gundy confirmed that uh, Tuesday after practice. Now, Jeter does remain with the team, but with the lack of opportunities that he's had, he's decided to enter the transfer portal. We all know how Mike Gundy feels about the transfer portal. He said on Tuesday, it's like the NFL. If you don't like it, just ask to be traded. But he's practicing and doing all that. He wants to get in the portal and see who wants to re-recruit him. I understand the frustration from a coach's standpoint. You recruit a guy, he commits, he's going to have opportunities in the future, but he doesn't have them now, and, and it's different for these coaches because in the past it was so much more difficult for a player to transfer so they didn't have to worry about it as much you know guys guys come in and guys usually stay now players have much more freedom of movement and I personally think that's a good thing I think that for a guy like Jamil Jeter he needs to do what's best for him now I don't think that guys should always be so quick to pull the trigger on a transfer but if that's what's best for the, the student-athlete, then I can't blame a young man for doing what he thinks is best for him. So, tough situation. Uh, you know, Jamil Jeter has only uh, has only 11 carries this season. They all came against McNeese State, so he's not getting a ton of run behind the best running back in the country, Chuba Hubbard. So, Jamil Jeter is still with the team, still participating in activities, but he is in the transfer portal. Uh, all right. We are done for the day. Tomorrow, I'm going to give you that story about Chuba Hubbard. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal story about you know him being a hero and kids looking up to him in Canada. Appreciate everyone being with us at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes on Twitter. Go there, follow, retweet, like, subscribe, and rate this podcast wherever you are listening. And thank you for listening once again to Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.